Somewhere they're speaking, it's already coming in. Oh, and it's rising at the back of your mind. You never could get in unless you were fitted. Now you're here and you don't know why. But under skin knees and the skid marks, past the places where you used to learn. Episode of the Gulf Coast Poker Podcast. Uh, I'm Gene D, co-host with Wild Bill Phillips. 
Uh, we have Bill on the line. Um, before we get started with uh, this episode's guest, I want to plug our next uh, poker series, uh, which is called Poker Gras at Harris in New Orleans. Bill, you want to fill them in? Sure. Uh, we're going to start with the $300 Monster Stack event. We're going to have four flights on that. Expecting a huge turnout similar to what we had at Pearl River. Our main event is going to be $600. That's going to start on Thursday, August 5th. The, sorry, Poker Gras itself starts Thursday, July 29th. Main event starts uh, Thursday, August 5th. After that, we're going to have another series in Pearl River, September 9th to the 19th. And right now we're running a social media contest where we're going to do a random drawing of everybody that follows the directions. We're going to pick one of those people and he's going to win or she's going to win a seat to the main event at Poker Gras and a seat to the main event at Pearl River. And that contest is going to go all the way up to Poker Gras. So go to our Facebook page, scroll down, find the post. Should be a picture of a lot of money. Tell you exactly what you need to do, and you can get your entry in there. You can also enter on our Twitter account, which is uh, right now is my account, at GCPNet, and also our Instagram account, which is also at GCPNet. And you can have three entries and have a chance to win $1,200 worth of seats, and the guarantees are looking like it's going to be maybe to half a million dollars worth of guarantees. So that's pretty cool, and we're really excited about Poker Grab. Make sure you do that and get involved, and we'll see you at Harris, New Orleans, July 29th. Yeah, and then also as far as the hotel rooms, uh, we have a block at uh, the Hilton. Um, you can go to our uh, Facebook page or get in touch with me or Bill. Uh, we'll get you the codes. And then we also have some discount codes at some other properties. If anybody would be interested, just get in touch with me and Bill. Yes. Uh, and I will get the Hilton information on the main website, www.gulfcoastpoker.net, probably today. And you can just go there and uh, book your rooms. It's pretty good rates. I think it's 121 a night, weekdays and weekends. Is that right, Gene? Yeah, I, th I think so. It's it's pretty aggressive especially for weekends yeah that's mm -hmm. great in new orleans for sure yeah well with this episode uh, our guest is a local author uh clyde Dewey. uh clyde has uh, a couple of poker books out uh we're going to talk about um the books but first he, he gets the same question that all the first guests get when they come on the podcast is uh uh, Clyde, uh, how did you get into poker? How did you wind up uh, in, in this uh, subculture of the, the, the poker community? And uh, tell us a little bit about yourself. Well, thanks for asking. The wife and I had first played a tournament in a fundraiser for cancer awareness. When I played my second fundraiser for a local civic center, the first player knocked out received a consolation prize. It was a book on playing Texas Hold'em. He angrily threw it down on the table saying he didn't need that, and he gave it to me. So as I started reading it, I recognized the challenge of playing this game, similar to that of chess, which I truly love the challenge and to play. We then got involved in fundraising efforts throughout the state and started playing anywhere there was a tourney. This is just involved into major tournament venues from there. So, Clyde, I feel like um, 
we've talked about this before. Your first experience wasn't necessarily a positive one. And then um, the the second time you played, you, you kind of got a little more interested in it. Is Is that accurate? That's pretty accurate, but it's also pretty funny, the first experience, because I really didn't like the game because I'm not really considered as a gambler. I didn't know what mm-hmm. poker hands were even. In fact, I had to talk to a guy there that helped me through what did what. I wrote it down on a piece of paper, and I just followed what happened. I came out third in the tournament, but I really wasn't that interested in it. So you're right. And then the second tournament, the wife convinced me to play another fundraiser. Well, I just wanted to give him the money and be done with it. But it was that book, the one on Phil Helmuth's Thursday Night Poker, that really got me involved into this game. That's interesting. So uh, the guy slammed it down, you took it took it home, and, and then we're like, you know what, there's more to this than I thought? Or um, what was your thought process? That's that's exactly right, Bill. Uh, you know, loving to play chess like I did, I love any kind of challenge. I mean, I'm an adrenaline junkie. And what better adrenaline is there than playing Texas Hold'em, you know, in today's real world. So I just fell in love with the game. Yeah. So when you were like a kid growing up, you never were exposed to cards or anything like that? That wasn't something you ever dabbled at? Yes, I was exposed to cards. We played different things, different card games, mm-hmm. the regular childish games, uh, the Cajun games of Pedro and Bure and whatever, but never poker. For some reason, there was always this stigma tied to poker as gambling, and my family, being a devout Christian family, were totally opposed to any type of gambling. So poker was just a no-no. So it was really difficult for me to switch over in looking into something that was not in my culture, per se, of my upbringing. But then I realized that tournament playing is quite different than just live cash playing. And that's where my interest lies. Yeah, I, I, it's hard sometimes for for people to, to understand that, you know, poker is a strategy game and it's also a math game. Uh, it's been proven that the best player is going to win. And the chess analogy is good. I like to play chess, too. Uh, and and I, I find that that same scenario, like in the, the corporate world, you know, you, you get a new boss and you always have that fear that, you know, they, they might be from the Bible Belt and see all the winning, see all, you know, on, online that I'm a poker player. And then next thing you know, I, I get stigmatized. But um so, Clyde, you, uh, you, you, you you got a couple of books out. You just came out with your second one. Tell us your, tell us a little bit about your first book. What's the, what was the title? And uh, tell us a little about the first book. Sure. Well, for years after each tournament, I would take notes on what I had learned about how to play and how not to play. I had several tons, in fact, of file notebooks storing all this info. Since I was already a published writer, my wife suggested that I put all that stuff, excuse me, into one book. We could then give the majority of the proceeds to charity. So I assembled all those points in a Cliff Notes type format by section, by topic, listing 850 points. It wouldn't state the why and the how, just the what. In fact, one poker book published Mm -hmm. 
professor told me that he wanted the manuscript to include why I should do certain things that I listed as points. And due to my hard-headed Cajun culture, I refused. I self-published the book and accomplished my goal. Why? I just wanted to do something unique to get to the point to help other players win because there were already many books out there teaching players how to play. The title is Get to the Point and Win. It was also credited to my wife. I also added Cajun humor in the beginning of each section related to the context as a way to break from the seriousness of all those bullet points. And that's basically it in a nutshell on the first one. Good deal. After publishing uh, your first book in 2010, why did you decide to write another one? Well, Gene, it's what I said earlier. I love a challenge and I love to write. I'm also, I'm already a published author, a published poet, a produced songwriter, as well as co-producer of a Cajun comedy video. I am presently working on another book project unrelated to poker. The challenge of this book was not in writing it as much as it was in the intention of the subject matter. Uh, what do you mean when you say the intention of the subject matter? Well, this is just not a poker book. One of the amazing things about this book is that it doesn't actually teach someone how to play. Today, anyone who still plays Texas Hold'em tournaments not only know how to play, but has earned the right to claim they know how to play it well. My challenge was to assemble a package that both good and great players, from grinders to recreational players, could benefit from and enjoy reading something unique. Oh, so, so uh, how'd you do that? Tell us about it. Well, a big challenge was to create something that players would want to read from a hard copy, especially when everyone prefers ebooks in this digital world we live in. By providing them with concepts that give them a personal perspective other than what they may have had before, they can continuously go back to a hard copy edition to develop their skills into superior ones and make notes as they do so. Now, this may sound nuts, but I consider it as kind of a like a poker devotional. By that, I mean anyone can open it every day and find something new in there to encourage their confidence and improve their present skills. Can you clarify what you mean about the difference, this difference? Yes. And although taught to be deep, the intention of the concepts is a simple mindset. The initial basic concept is this. It's not how we play that's the root cause of success or failure. The root cause of winning or losing in a hand is how we think, because how we think is what makes us play the way we do. Can you see how simple that is? Some may believe that this is a given because of the logic behind it. So what if our thinking is wrong? We all know that we do not always make the correct decisions. What if there is something missing in our thinking? Also, oftentimes, we think too much when we shouldn't be thinking at all. My approach evolves from this initial basic concept to make us right each time. Also, my approach allows the skills necessary to pop up as reminders 
without having to think about them. This level mm-hmm. of learning is what is referred to as unconscious competence. Jared Tindler, psychologist and mental game coach, addresses the mental aspects of playing in his two books on the mental game of poker. Skills which have been learned to this level produces spontaneous responses where a player doesn't have to think about those skills and just responds automatically. In my book, I elevate such a mindset further by providing specific techniques to make that happen. The the necessity of unconscious competence is referred to throughout my book with examples clarifying how to get to that level of knowledge. Well, uh, Clyde, that kind of seems a little radical as far as uh, thinking goes. Uh, Many players may not be interested in that, so why go ahead and write a book about it? Well, that's a good question, because once they start reading it, they won't consider it radical so much as they will recognize the impact on their game being so unique. It has been my personal experience that adopting such concepts can produce approaches for memory that will give a player an edge over their opponents. So memory is a pretty important skill, and players know this already. Why why try to convey that in a book? Another good question. I have gone a step further than just the necessity of a player having a good memory of poker knowledge and skills. I have coined this concept, Wisdom Memory Mindset, WMM, which is at a higher level than just the muscle memory or memorization we all know about. When we memorize something, after a time, we humans tend to forget some of it. Yet when we truly learn something, instead of just memorizing it, the brain has a capacity to remember it all forever. My approach teaches the brain to tap into its own capacity to give the player what he needs without ever having to think about it. If you have time, let me clarify it with a non-poker-related example. What does a driver do when he gets the red light? He knows to stop for both safety reasons and because it is the law of the land. But with all this knowledge, what happens if he is approaching a red light, slows down, and sees an 18-wheeler bearing down on its tail? Does he stop because of his knowledge of safety or the law? If he does, he made the wrong decision. His memorized knowledge may have just got him killed or in a world of hurt. Not stopping is an example of wisdom, memory, mindset. He automatically knows and is wise enough to do what he has to do without having to think about it. Yeah, I tell you, that's kind of interesting. WMM, I like that. Um, How does this example uh, relate to poker? When two players with the same skills and knowledge are confronting each other in a hand, The one who has the edge usually wins the hand. My concept offers a new dimension of awareness, and this provides them with an edge and safety in decision-making. So can you clarify what you mean? Like, how do do players get an edge from your concepts? Sure. I could say that you'd have to read the book to find out. However, I will share with you one of my many approaches that make that happen. I call this approach snapshots. The snapshots contain skillful reminder points of certain knowledge area 
that need to be mastered. Each reminder point can relate to many other points a player already knows. The snapshot is like a mental filing cabinet drawer that just pops open to give a player the info he or she needs for making a correct decision. I clarify in a book how that happens, as well as give several examples of that. Well, that's, again, it's, it's pretty interesting. Um, without, I, I, you know, people haven't read the book, can you clarify some of that now? What I will do is say that once a player adopts my techniques, he or she will have a deeper dimension that can provide an edge over their opponent. This edge will make any of their present skills more superior at that specific time in that specific hand than that of their opponent. So how does that work exactly? Again, because the player will not have to think about knowledge or skills, but his opponent may have to. The player maintains their personal mental energy for correct decision-making situations. I have provided an example that can use can be used as a model for decision-making guidelines in the book as well. This is another reason I refer to my book as kind of a po- poker devotional. Yeah, so so it's definitely it's not a math book. So basically, um, what is the intention of the book? It is quite simply, actually, its intention is to provide a player with new techniques on how to cash more often than not. If he or she is already doing that, then the intention is for their cash win rate to increase even more by elevating their game. I also wanted to share with all those diehard players out there who still love to compete in this game, or brain sport as I call it, mm-hmm. to experience a deeper dimension of what they presently know. Just like a devotional when adopted, more inspired positive expectations will occur. More inspired positive expectations can produce cashing opportunities more often than not. Simply stated, it does this by converting good skills and knowledge into superior ones and mastering them to a higher level. It also reveals personal awareness techniques of their own play and differences in their opponent's play as well as new factors that come forth later in the tournament. So, Clyde, I want to ask you, I guess, later, um, you mentioned Jared Tendler. That's probably a book that you read. I want to know what other books that you've read and kind of uh, seems like you've taken a lot of that and um, used some of it in your book and some of you haven't. But in general, what's your response to players who feel that, you know, they just don't need to read another book on poker. They've read Phil Hellmuth, Jared Tendler, you know, a ton of other books. Why? What would you say to them? I would say that they are absolutely right. They don't need to read another book on poker. Yet I will add that this is not just another book about poker. I know because I have read and studied dozens of poker books, published one myself, and used them to coach several players through the years. Another thing that makes this book unique are the examples for models that a player can use to create their own personal wisdom, memory, mindset, and individual snapshots. Also included in the appendix is a humorous Cajun glossary and 60 reminder points from my first book. I've also inserted some corny Cajun stories and inspirational verses 
relating to the subject matter at the beginning of each context. Good deal. Good deal. So uh, I know um, they can probably fi find a book and buy one from you. I know we're working on uh, trying to get something up uh, on the website. Uh, to segue away from the, the book right quick, um, looking at the your uh, results on Hendon Mob, I see you got a, a first place in, in Cachada. Uh, at the charity event, is is that it? First place? I've got I've got a lot of first places. I've got a lot of second, third, fourth, fifth places. I learned a long time ago to get away from this idea that first or second place wouldn't. You know, I used to think anything less than that was unacceptable. I just love to play the game. Don't really play it for the money. Have several wins, like the state championship in uh, the Louisiana Polka Tour and several other uh, states around the country. I just love to play all the different venues and enjoy meeting the good people that love this game like I do. Yeah, uh, I know you guys travel a lot, you and your wife. Um, Y'all go to Tunica a lot. You go to the coast. Um, so that that's basically you guys retired. That's, that's y'all fun, right, going around and playing poker? Yeah, it's a good, uh, how you say, uh, lucrative hobby. We go to Vegas, mm -hmm. we go to South Carolina, we go to North, uh, South Dakota, we go to different venues wherever there's a good tournament going on. I love to limit uh, my my travel these days but uh, because it is virus business. But uh, your recent uh, summer series has been a real good one. Tunica was real good just recently. And I've been playing the Harrah's. Uh, just in coming back from your series and been doing pretty well there as well. Also. Good so deal. I mentioned earlier about Jared Tendler. You mentioned him. Um, what other authors did you like that you've been able to assimilate, you know, kind of some of their thoughts into your books or maybe some authors whose information you definitely haven't used. Could you, could you touch on that a little bit? Yeah. I've, I've, there's a information from several authors I have not used. However, the one of my favorites has always been Daniel Negreanu. You know, Jared Tindler, I'm definitely a disciple of Tindler because of the mental aspect. Mm -hmm. I like uh, Daniel because of his actual strategies and tactics. Uh, naturally, Phil Hillmuth and several of the others. I mean, I've read dozens and dozens. I can't name them all. I just put my twist and my turn to what I've learned from some of those uh, readings. Yeah. yeah, I really enjoy the way you you um, say you bring in those Cajun stories, and it's just kind of a funny little story that you can dovetail into uh, establishing a poker point. I think that's um, my favorite part of your book. Well, thank you. You know, we we live and we die, and then. You know, we have to do things in between. And the things I like to do in between is hopefully make someone either smile or laugh. And if they can get that from the book, like many guys who purchased already told me, they've already got 20 bucks worth of fun just from reading the the corny stories. Good deal. I know you probably, uh, you know, Negranu and Helmuth uh, all pitched the small ball uh, theory. I know uh, a lot of people have that uh, as far as their poker strategy uh, in tournaments. It's a strong po poker theory. 
Yeah. Well, uh, uh, I used to, go ahead. I'm sorry. No, go ahead. Yes, I, I, I definitely believe in the small ball uh, strategy because it's a good basis to elevate your game when it comes to the thought processes. And I really prefer to go through the mental thought processes than actually the strategies and tactics because everyone has that, you know. Everyone knows how to play this game and know how to play it well. The key thing is I've learned through the years is how to get an edge over other players. And this is what I'm just trying to share with others. Good deal. Bill, uh, you got anything, uh, any more questions? Well, I mean, Clyde's always good for a good story or two. Um, what, what's kind of some of it? Uh, I don't want to put you on the spot, but having played poker over the years, what, what's some of the weirdest um, stuff you've encountered at a table? Is there anything that stands out where um, it left you surprised? I mean, in poker, you play it long enough, you kind of see everything, but is, is there anything that stands out as being like an odd moment that you played or a story you can share with us about it? Oh, yeah. There's there's one humorous and one serious. I guess the the serious one was when I was playing the $5,000 entry event, WSOP. There were two people missing from the table. And I was telling stories and jokes, and I finally made the comment. I said, uh, you know, with our luck, we'll probably have two professionals walk in here. You know, well, duh, it was a $5,000 event. <laughs> well, the guy sitting on my immediate left finally showed up, and he happened to be Chris Moneymaker. And this was just a couple of years after he won the, the World Series. And I right. guess the serious part was is that my goal was to see if I can bluff him out of the hand. So after about five, six hours of play, he walked right across the table from me, and he just looked and stared. And I'll never forget what he said. He said, Clyde, I've been trying all day, and I can't get a read on you. I can't get a tell. He said, but I'm going to fold. So I asked him, why did you fold? And he said, because I was afraid you were going to get a heart attack. Your vein in your neck was <laughs> pulsing so much. I know you were anxious, but I didn't know it was because you had a good hand or if you had a bluff. So I didn't want you to die right there in front of me. So I thought that was serious, but at the same time, being humorous. That's funny. And actually, so were you bluffing? Sometimes when you when you get a, a Broadway straight on the board, and there's no flush or you know paired cards naturally, and you got five people in there, mm -hmm. I went all in, and all but and, uh, and three of the five people folded. So we split the pot at two. I thought that was kind of humorous that people would fold that way, but yeah, I tried it and it worked. Uh, so that's just some examples. Have you, making, uh, uh, were you? Go ahead. I was going to ask you if have you ever played the the main event of the World Series 10K show? I played the five thousand dollar main event entry, but not the ten thousand. No, that really never interests me that much, unless I would win my way into it. I kind of like uh, Gene Dudek. I like these lower and medium price entry tournaments. Yeah. I well, I just want to follow up on your story. I several thousand dollar WSOP events, however, but not a, not you know well, those kind of mains, but not a ten thousand one. Right. Just 
Just a quick question to follow up on that story about Chris Moneymaker. So were you bluffing or did you have it? Absolute bluff. It made Absolute my day. Absolute bluff. <laughs> put a, a farhaw on him, huh? <laughs> Pardon me? I said you put a farhaw when he bluffed Sammy Farhaw uh, in that hand. I don't know that I'd call it as professional as that, but it was. Uh, it, it turned out pretty good. In fact, I've seen Chris, uh, Gail, and I several, uh, I guess a couple of years later, playing in Tunica with him and asked him if he'd take a picture with us, and he said, well, I'll take a picture with Gail, but not with you. <laughs> yeah, he's a nice guy. He's an awesome guy, down to earth, just like yeah. our new champion, uh, Joe Bear. And also the other champion you had at the summer series, you know, Greg Raymer. A lot of those guys, they, they just like to play the game, and they're down to earth and love to play, love people. Yeah, you're right. Yeah, Joe's a, he's a great guy. Uh, Greg was uh, super nice to everybody, and I, I've seen him have more kind of a presence on Facebook and other places, kind of encouraging players of late. Um, I, I think that's great when when they can do that, you know. So when you win the main event one day, Clyde, you're, you're going to be a nice guy to everybody, right? You're not going to get a big head or anything. This guy hasn't changed in 70 years. I don't plan to because of <laughs> any main event or anything else. Of course, you just seem the most down-to-earth guy. I, I was being sarcastic about that. I certainly wouldn't see that happening. Yeah. Well, thank you. I appreciate that. All right. Well, we'll go ahead and uh, wrap it up. Uh, we want to thank Clyde. Uh, Clyde also has a, a nickname. They call him the Cajun Flash um, for coming on our episode and sharing his insights about his books and other stories. And um, Clyde, want to you know, hopefully have you on again in the future, but uh, looking forward to seeing you at Poker Draw. Real quick, well, Clyde, is there a number? The Clyde, is there a number people can call for your book or, or a way to get it before it's up on the site? There's some means sure. uh, well, that you have for them they to can do call, that? Yeah, they can call 985-696-7400. And, you know, for connection, in order to purchase, they just leave a text or a voicemail. Or naturally, they can go to your website at gulfcoastpoker.net and purchase it on your online store. Yeah, we don't have that set up, but when we do, for sure, they can do that. Uh, what's the cost? The cost is 20 bucks plus shipping and handling, sir. Good deal. 20 spot. Well, thanks again. We really appreciate it. All well, right. Thanks for this opportunity. I pray that all listeners have a great and blessed day. See you at the final table. All right. See you guys. Thanks, Clyde. Thanks, Gene. All right.